The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome to another program here on the Shepherd Radio Network, Afternoons with Mike. My name is Mike Gilland, still dealing with this little bit of uh, allergy-laden voice, but we're going to work through that because I've got too much to talk about today. I've got uh, some guests in the studio. We are in Studio A today because every chair is filled. We've got some people here that are a part of a church, and we're going to hear from Pastor Jorge in a moment about his church but he has as a special guest Todd Smith from Georgia, who is absolutely uh, busy in these days and has been for some time because God is broken out, has broken out in the Georgia area with the kind of revival meeting that we all have been praying for. I think every one of us would want that to be happening in our areas, and it's such a great thing to see uh, something happening and now moving into Orlando through this wonderful church that's opened its doors to Todd. So let me start with Todd. Welcome to my program, my friend. Mike, it's great to be here. Thank you. Now, I, I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Uh, I really mean it. I, I'm excited at what I've read and just a little bit of talking that we've done. I, I, I mean, this is clearly a work of God in your life that has caused this. I mean, it's not like you've gone to... You know how to start a revival in three easy steps. That hasn't that hasn't been what you've done, right? That's right. There's no formula for revival, <laughs> and at Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville, Georgia, which is 50 miles northeast of Atlanta, it's at the base of the Appalachian Mountains. We've been in revival, Mike, for over five years. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the presence of the Lord, the glory of God is in the house. And we've just seen God move in tremendous ways. Over 31,000 people have been baptized in our church in the last five years. People from literally all over the nation come to encounter the Lord. Lives are being changed. Prodigals are coming home. Folks are being saved. And the miracles that we have seen, we've not seen dozens nor hundreds, but literally thousands of miracles, thousands upon thousands of miracles, and it just seems to be uh, increasing in the density of the glory of the Lord in in Dawsonville at Christ Fellowship Church there. Yeah, it's, it's a local church. Mm-hmm. It's not like this has happened with a visiting, let's say, a tent evangelist that's coming in who is maybe used. I've got friends who are like Caleb Wamplers on my program uh, and he sees just tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people in other countries uh, flock to hear the word of God. And it's really an amazing thing, but it's not every day that I get to talk to somebody that's doing it in the States or that is part of a revival that has been as sustained as what you're experiencing and what is going on there. That's really kind of fresh news. Well, it is. And the thing that we love about this move of God is it's nameless and faceless. It's not attached to a particular, you know, high capacity evangelist or leader or someone that operates in special gifts. Uh, this move of God that started in Dawsonville is in a local church, you know, 
of a city of about 3,000 people, just over 3,000 people, a county of 30,000 plus. So it's a small town, but yet the hunger there is absolutely phenomenal. And we sought the face of God. We prayed and Mm -hmm. he came, he came. And so it's been sustained over five years and and there's no indication, Mike, that it's slowing down. In fact, things are just increasing. That is really great to hear. Mm-hmm. Todd, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear this. And more on that coming up in a moment. First of all, I also want to welcome Jorge. This is Jorge Figueroa. He's the pastor. And tell us a little bit about your church. Well, Mike, thank you. God bless you. It's a pleasure to be here with you and Pastor Todd today. Uh, we're Church of the Sower. We're located just outside the airport. We're on Lee Vista in the Lee Vista uh, area of Orlando, just north of the airport. Uh, we're a congregation that meets. We're a non-denominational church ready to serve in whatever capacity people need. But we do believe in the move of God, and we're excited about not only what God is doing in our house, but what we've seen God do with Pastor Todd and those that have um, allowed God the ability to move freely. Mm. You know, unfortunately, in a lot of places now, as we were talking earlier before we got online, there's just limitations to, you know, uh, in certain places, certain churches that of what God can do. And I think we have a perfect opportunity to let God be glorified if we just allow his presence to run free in the church. Let him do what he wants to do. He knows best. It's his church. And I think that's what's moved in our house. We just thank the Lord that um, over time we've given him the liberty to do more. We make our plans, we make our structures, but then God steps in and says, let me flex here and flex there. And as long as we're allowing him to, uh, God will be glorified. And I thank the Lord for that. I think that's what we're seeing in this season, that God is just truly moving because we've surrendered ourselves to what he desires. Um, You know, there's a place for us as pastors and leaders to put a schedule and a plan together. But I think every plan should be flexible to the will of God and to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And as long as we allow that, God will move heal the sick, the lame walk, the blind see. So we thank the Lord for that opportunity. Now, what kind of background did you come from, Jorge? It's going to be a tough sell on that one. My background is the Lord likes to use the version of the 12 disciples where he raises up someone over the years, and I have no uh, formalized teaching. It's all been how the Lord has led me and grown me Mm -hmm. over the years, particularly with the ministers I've walked with, the churches that the Lord has blessed me to be a part of. He's just groomed me to the place where I am now. I was talking with Pastor Todd, and I was sharing that I had to leave a secular employment where I was doing very well to come and do what the Lord has asked me to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where the church is now. We're, we believe the Spirit of God is just flowing freely because we've surrendered to Him. And it starts with the leadership giving themselves of you know, their best for Him. And in my case, I had to walk away from my secular employment, employment to give God uh, the full right. the full mantra, right? And it was a tough sell. Because God wanted all of me, and I just wanted to give God a portion of me. And uh, until I surrendered completely, God wasn't able to do what he wants to do. And I thank the Lord because in our church now, his church, but where we congregate, the Lord is moving in that fashion where he's in total control. We let him do what he wants. We let the Spirit lead us. The Church of the Sower, how long has it been there? Uh, We've been there 12 years now. 12 years. Yes, 12 years. We started, in, ironically, in a Baptist church. Uh, we launched out uh, of a Baptist church is where we started, and then eventually we moved over and leased our own location. All right, so you're in the Lee Vista area. Correct. You said. At, yeah. yeah, just to be clear, Church of the Sower, it's at 6901 TPC Drive, Orlando, Florida, 32822. And if anyone wants to call, our telephone number is 407-851-1733. And I don't think we can say this too often, but there's going to be a meeting even tonight. Correct. 
uh, that would be at your location, right? Correct. And they can come and hear Pastor Todd. That is correct. And also there'll be a full immersion. We'll be baptizing. We have two pools set up inside the facility where we'll be allowing the Lord to move um, through the waters as he chooses. And I'll let Mm -hmm. Pastor Todd share more on that. But literally, uh, just to be a little bit honest and transparent, sometimes we think our, our facility is not the biggest facility in town. Um, but just like Pastor Todd, he's not, his facility is large, but his town is small. We, when we first went up there, the first time we visited, we were shocked to find the town so small because everybody thinks it has to be a big church, big. And um, it's admirable that Pastor Todd never wants to be the face of the revival. And I'd like to just make that clear because they're very humble in this, in that it's God doing the baptizing. It's God, you know, using us through prayer and through the ministry and, and they're very good at not making it about one person. And I remember I was in a church where I had the first time I had actually uh, met Pastor Todd and got a one-on-one conversation. Someone had asked him, but Pastor Todd, I never heard of you. I know. And he says, well, it's not about me. You know, it's about the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I think that epitomizes what we're talking about here, that God is given free reign. It's not about the persons or who God is using. It's about God himself mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. So when you say through baptism, jumping back to Todd, then it's it's not we know it's not the salvation that's coming through the baptism waters. God has given you this particular method of uh, of seeing uh, as as the people are being baptized. That's often when it's happening, right? Yeah, five years ago, I'm in a time of prayer with my church where we had a 21 day fast. And we called our entire congregation for 21 days to do without food, just drink water and juices, do the fast that that the Lord leads you on. And it was in the middle of that fast that I saw my baptistry, which was bone dry, not a drop of water in it at all. And I see it then full of water in this vision and then a strip of fire on top of the water, just like gasoline burns on top of water. Mm -hmm. And it lasted eight to 10 seconds, then it vanished. And I heard the Lord speak to my spirit. And he said, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. Well, I assumed, Mike, that what that meant, that my new believers that were going to get baptized after their conversion were going to have an incredible incredible encounter with the Lord in the water. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until two weeks later after that vision, the glory of God falls in our sanctuary. I'm talking about the weight of the Lord, the the, you know, the kabod, that that weightiness of God came into our, our facility and has been there ever since. And then we started baptizing people that were away from God, that were backslidden, and people wanted to renew their commitment to the Lord, not their new birth, you know, immersion, but something in addition to say, hey, if you've been away from God, come and let's be baptized. Renew your vows before the Lord publicly. And we started seeing people get filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit instantly in the water. And then we started seeing my people's bodies get healed. Things like psoriasis melting off a person's body right before our very eyes. People that were self-harmers that would scar themselves Mm -hmm. and cut themselves. I watched in my own eyes a 17-year-old girl gets into the water and we asked the question, why are you in the water? And she said, well, I'm 17, I'm addicted to meth, and I self-harm. And Pastor Marty, who, who did the immersion that night, baptized her. And I watched with my own eyes, Mike. I watched with these two sets of eyes, this, mm-hmm. this one set of eyes, these two eyes, watch those scars vanish off of her body. I oh, had, my goodness. Yeah, listen, I have pictures of before and after. Wow. It absolutely blows your mind. 
we began to realize that this immersion was more than just a public expression. It was an encounter with God. It was something where he was meeting them and not only touching their heart and their, the inner parts, but also touching them physically, that he was healing individuals in the water. Right. And I, as I've said earlier, we've not seen a dozen or two dozen miracles or 100 or 300 or 800 miracles. We've seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears thousands upon thousands of miracles happening mm. in the immersion tanks in the baptismal waters at the North Georgia Revival. Now, I know that this is it, it's an important context that I think people need to hear that you you were not, like you said before we began the program today, to me personally, you said it's not like you're coming from this thing uh, with with a background that is used to doing things, like even seeing a vision. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something that would not... Uh, being uh, commonplace for you, you actually attended school at a Baptist seminary, Southwestern in Fort Worth, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'll guarantee you they didn't talk about these kinds of things. And I love that school. Mm -hmm. I really do. I just think it's important that our listeners get an idea that you're a surprise by this, if you want to call it an intrusion into your life by God this surprise encounter of God in this way, as anybody would be as if they're hearing this for the first time, you you were not ready for that. It wasn't part of your background, right? No, it wasn't. And for us to uh, even have that vision and to move in that vein was completely uh, foreign to us, you know, because we knew what baptisms basically meant from our Western mindset. Okay, you get saved, now you're going to have a water baptism. Well, as we studied the scriptures and as we looked at the Old Testament and we looked at Jewish history, baptisms were part of their history long before Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, called the mikvah. They would immerse themselves multiple times. John the Baptist, many believe, was an Essene who would self-immerse three times a day. So to our Jewish friends and Jewish history, that wasn't foreign to them. But it is to us in the Western world. So it took us... By, by surprise, when the Lord said to me, I'm going to touch people in the water and baptize them with Holy Spirit fire, mm. that uh, has taken on a whole new meaning to us. As we've literally seen my people with autism get healed, we've seen the ADHD uh, completely eradicated. We've, we've dealt with children that could not complete a sentence, but they meet the Lord in the water. All of a sudden now, having full sentence structures. Uh, every miracle that, that is mentioned in the New Testament, we have seen, other than being someone being raised from the dead. We watched the lame walk. Just a couple of, uh, a month and a half ago, a lady been in a wheelchair for 17 years, get immersed in the water, comes up out of the water, full of strength, able to climb out of the immersion tank on her own and walk around the sanctuary. That pastor said to us that was the greatest miracle he's ever seen in his life. We've watched blind eyes captured on video, on video of a boy that was legally blind, 20 over 3,200 vision, unable to see more than three inches in, in front of him without his glasses. Watch him go underneath the water, and our video cameras captured when he comes up out of the water. He rubs his eyes, and he's able to see a complete Thank you, God. across the room 
with imperfect vision. Going back to the, the eye doctor says, we don't know what's happening, but you have perfect vision. I watched in Venita, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. while we were immersing there, a young girl that had no peripheral vision, no peripheral vision since birth. We captured the moment when her peripheral vision opened up, and now she not only has peripheral vision, but she was also legally blind, now has perfect vision. These things you cannot explain. This is happening in the baptismal waters. And we like to point, to say this, Mike, it is an extension of the altar. God has just chosen for in, in our church and in other places like we're going to be tonight uh, uh, with, with Pastor George, he's just chosen water. And I think for a number of reasons. It's nameless. It's faceless. Nobody gets any of the credit. Nobody can say, hey, look what God's doing through me. This is a place of meeting where he's supernaturally wrapping his arms around people and doing things that all of our hearts have longed for. Mm. Now, he's calling you Pastor George. I mentioned Jorge. Uh, so you, you're going to have this baptistry uh, up and ready tonight. Correct. Uh, we'll be having it at 7 p.m. tonight. And uh, the beauty of it is that God uses every person that makes themselves available. One of the things we've learned over time, and uh, Pastor Todd and his team has been great at it, is teaching us how to continuously stay in the presence of God, seeking his will. Prayer is a huge part of this, um, I don't want to call it an event, but where God is moving. And it requires you know, consistent and timely prayer, where we're in his presence, seeking him, asking him. And Pastor Todd has a real good word where he says, we're making deposits in heaven so that we can withdraw later. Mm. And, and that's really taken hold in our house. We've just been where you couldn't get a person to pray. You know how in churches sometimes it's just a little difficult to get people to pray. We've managed to get four nights a week in our house of just constant prayer, just seeking the Lord wow. so that he can have his way. And when we baptize on Friday at 7 o'clock, it's going to be uh, just the glory of God where he does what he wants because we've prepared the environment for him to move. All right. We're going to pick this back up in a moment. We're up against a break. I've got Pastor Todd Smith with me. Also, along with him is Jorge Figueroa, pastor of uh, the church that this meeting will be held at here tonight. So don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back again now in Control Room A, in the Studio A, where we are meeting with Todd Smith and Pastor Jorge Figueroa. Uh, the meeting is tonight. Uh, if you will go ahead and give us the details as to how people can come to that tonight. Sure. Tonight at 7 p.m. we'll be meeting at Church of the Sower. Again, 6901 TPC Drive, Orlando, Florida. 
Church of the Sower. Correct. I like that name. And the only thing, if people are coming and they want to uh, not only hear Pastor Todd, but experience uh, being baptized, and we call it immersion, um, they can just bring some things to get baptized in, bring a towel maybe, and be prepared. And we'd be more than pleased to uh, you know, have them enter into the waters uh, for whatever need they have, uh, whether it's a heart issue, whether it's a family issue, some type of addiction. We believe God can break everything in the name of Jesus. So we believe all those curses and addictions can be broken. Um, we say, let God do. So we'll be open tonight at 7 p.m., letting God do his thing. Now, you guys are, are basically both of you from Baptist backgrounds. So uh, is that not right? Uh, no, I grew up basically in the Pentecostal type movement. Oh, okay. So you would have this as your background. Then. Yes. So you you were a Baptist. You went to a Baptist seminary, though, right, Todd? Yeah, and pastored a Southern Baptist church yeah. uh, for uh, going on five years, and then God just radically changed my life, but uh, uh, still value my roots as a Southern Baptist. Thank God for it, and excited that it's helped me uh, as we're hosting revival in Dawsonville. Yeah. Uh, you know, a friend of mine used to say, uh, a guy that, that would be like you is, is a Baptocostal. Yeah. Would that, would that fit who you are? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Baptocostal, <laughs> I like it. Uh, you know, I, I think it's marvelous. I mean, the move of God, it, when we're living in times like what we are living in right now, we need the Lord. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need some of this freshness. I love what you said, the heaviness of God, you said it, that that's a good way to describe it. It's really, isn't it hard to describe a sense of what it's like to be in a room where the presence of God fills the room in a thick way. It's people describe it all sorts of ways, but that's a good way to do it. It's almost like the spirit falls. And I know I heard it from a guy who visited the Asbury meeting. He said the air was thick. He said, it's just like you could feel the Lord tangibly in the air. And so that's kind of what you've experienced, right? Oh, absolutely. And the Hebrew word is kabod. It, it means the weight, the weighty presence of God. There, You could go to a church, and, and we've all been to these churches. I've pastored these churches before, and even in our services in Dawsonville prior to the revival, is you walk in and, and you, you, there's no sense that he's in the room, even though God is always in every room. Mm -hmm. He's everywhere. But then there are times, as um, T.F. Tenney said, God steps out from behind the curtain and takes center stage. When the glory of God comes into the room, everything shifts, everything changes. In the Old Testament, the Bible said that there was the time in Second Chronicles 7 when the glory of God came and the priests were unable to minister because of the weight of God. And I think that's one of the things that's missing in our churches today is that weightiness, okay, that heaviness, the glory of God in the place that changes, shifts everything, mm -hmm. your agenda, your focus, your purpose, because when he comes in, he's after one thing. He's after our hearts. He's after our loyalty. He's after our love. And I think, well, I know this, that's what happened five years ago in Dawsonville and has been sustained to this point, Mike, because um, I feel that the in order for revival to come to a church and revival to come to an area, as it has in Asbury and other universities, I think there's not a formula, but there's a pathway to revival. And I believe it's this, that God looks for brokenness, and God 
looks for humility. He even says it in Isaiah 57, also in Isaiah chapter 66. He says, this one thing I look for, he who has a broken and contrite heart. Verse 15 of Isaiah 57, he says, I will revive the person who has a broken and contrite heart. And I think that that is one of the things that God looks for. And and that has been sustained, I believe, in Dawsonville, that we we understand that what is happening there, 31,000 people immersed, all these miracles, all these people being saved, has absolutely nothing to do with a Christian rock star or a, you know, a celebrity, someone that you know has the goods, quote, unquote. But literally, God, we are nothing, and we desire to know you, and we want you above all things, no matter what price we have mm-hmm. to pay. You know, the interesting thing about that mindset that people would look to a celebrity, we live in a culture that is kind of almost uh, in love with a celebrity uh, the status of people, and they'll even make celebrity pastors, uh, you know, out of out of their pastors if they could. Uh, the thing is that this thing about being broken, that's really a key thing. That's, that's that if my people, in Second Chronicles we read that, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. And that's just the opposite of one putting oneself up or a celebrity status or whatever. If they'll humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's a, those are three things that are mm-hmm. a very identifiable, mm-hmm. trackable, tangible things that we can see. In a culture, you think you take all of those three things seek my face, humble themselves, uh, turn from their wicked ways. Yeah. And pray. And pray. pray. Yeah. And that is what the young people at Asbury were doing, literally what they were doing. Yeah. Revival came to Dawsonville because of we, we humbled ourselves. We became broken before him. In fact, let me, let me share with you what, what we prayed for. We said, God, in Psalm 27, 8, we said, we want to seek your face. And then we came to our prayer meeting asking for nothing, not to bless us financially, not to heal our physical bodies, not to uh, increase our portfolio, any of those things. We said, God, we're here because we want your face. Mm -hmm. Number two, Lord, we want to behold your glory. And number three, anything in us that grieves you or offends you, we want you to reveal it to us so that we can repent of it and make that right with you. Wow. And we started praying as a congregation. Every move of God, Mike, as you know this, as you, as you appreciate church history and revival history, every move of God, I cannot trace one move of God that started with preaching. I can't trace one move of God that is substantive in, as a known revival that impacted our society started with worship. They are components of it. It amplifies and magnifies uh, the move of God. But every move of God in churches, the uh, moves of God that swept across the nation started because someone prayed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about one person. I'm talking a group of individuals, two or three, four or five people, 10 or a dozen. And that's why in Second Chronicles 7, 14, he says, if my people who call by my name will what? Humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. Yeah. And he doesn't say if they will, if they will preach or if they'll worship or if they will have a conference, or they'll have you know this, that, or they'll prophesy to one another. And those things are vitally important. But he says, here's, here's the pathway. Right. Humble yourselves and pray. Seek my face and, and turn from your sin. And then he says in verse 15, the first that we don't like to 
uh, or we don't mention beyond that, is he says, my eyes are going to be open and my ears attentive, not to the singing, not to the worship, not to the teaching, not to the deliverance ministry, but to the prayers made in this place. Prayer is the most important thing that our church does. It is more important than preaching the gospel. It's more important than winning the loss. It's more important than making disciples. Why? Because it is the fuel. It is the platform that the making of the disciples and the preaching and the worship now takes on a dimension of power and kingdom expression that I we can, did not know. I think I can almost hear people's uh, kind of like questions, though, the yeah, but type of things. We know that preaching yeah. is, is so critical because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. But you're talking about something. It's not like it's this or that. Mm-mm. We're supposed to have all of these things. I think that what is really the the real key thing, maybe to why we haven't had such an outbreak as this, is because of the fact that we aren't praying enough. We right. aren't keeping that one aspect of our life that is supposed to be so critical and that daily communion with the Lord when he promised us in the word that if we pray, he would, he would hear us. Yeah, and uh, Mike, w- with that, prayer cannot be a ministry of the church. It has to be the ministry of the church. Yeah, not just a ministry, not one of other things. Yeah, not equal to the children's <clears throat> yeah, ministry, right. equal to the youth ministry. And prayer can't be delegated to a few older people to go, okay, you go pray while the rest of us give our lives to doing the ministry. Mm-hmm. See, James 5 says it this way, verse 16, a verse we're all familiar with. It says, the the effective fervent prayer, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified Version says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous individual makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So it is from the base, it is the foundation of prayer that my preaching takes on a dimension of authority and power that wasn't there as if prayer wasn't there. You understand what I'm saying? So it brings it. It brings it to the next level. It fuels the work of God. This is why the least attended meeting of a church is the prayer meeting. If you have a dinner on the ground, or you have a potluck supper, or you have a fellowship, people flock. If it's got food in it, people go. And if you have have a worship night, (laughs) if you have a teaching night, a conference, people come. But as soon as you call a prayer meeting, people always come up with excuses why they cannot come. And, and and that's just the way it is in society. But isn't it interesting that the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. They didn't say teach us to heal, teach us to cast out demons, teach us how to grow a church, teach us how to attract a crowd. They witnessed with their very own eyes the prayer ministry of Jesus, which was the most important part of his ministry because he knew that he would go to the Father and that he would spend those moments in the mountain Mm-hmm. or in the dark, right. in the early mornings, and pray. He would separate himself. Yeah. Isn't it interest, interesting that the Apostle Paul did not say teach without ceasing, preach without ceasing, win souls without ceasing? And those things are important. Mm-hmm. We must do them. But this is what he said, pray without ceasing. And why is it then as important as it is, and we see it is? I mean, you're really speaking the truth here, mm-hmm. why is it that that prayer meeting is often so uh, sparsely attended? Why is that? 
because it's the number one thing that the enemy fears. The devil does not fear my preaching. At no point in my entire life has he tried to stop me to preach, Hmm. nor has he tried to stop me from worshiping, because he can't. So Matthew 12 gives us the answer. Jesus tells a story that if you want to walk into a man's house and take his goods, he says the first thing that you do is find the strong man and you bind it. And then you're able to walk in and take all of the spoils. The church has identified the strong man as preaching and worship or soul winning or making disciples. Those are important things. But the devil understands that you can do those things and not have power. Mm-hmm. So he understands what the church has not understood. And that is the strong man of the church is the ministry of prayer. So he has subtly walked into our church services in our church buildings and has said, I will let them preach. I will let them do ministry. I will, I will let them have activities. And we even try to win and evangelize. But I know if I incarcerate or neutralize the ministry of prayer, their effectiveness will be limited. So what he has done, he's walked in and minimized the ministry of prayer. Again, where we delegated it to a few people. But yet we'll stand up on Sunday, as we we did this past Sunday, and over 400,000 sermons went forth in North America. And yet the revival and the awakening has not yet come. Can you imagine if there were 400,000 corporate prayer meetings? on a weekly basis, how God would amplify the effect of the preaching of the gospel and how the kingdom of God would begin to manifest. Don't you think that this is one of the reasons why there is such a move of God in countries like in China, in the underground? Because they don't have the capabilities to do any of the sensational meetings or, uh, you know, like uh, concerts or worship times. Uh, on a large scale, it, it just wouldn't be allowed. But they cannot stop people from praying. Yeah, right. And so we glamorize it. So we don't make the the deposit in private in prayer. So therefore, we have to make up for it by the lights and the and the haze and the talent. And we put forth as a form. Mm-hmm. We we say all the right things. We're doing all the right things. But sick people walk into our meetings and leave sick. People walk into our meetings having been encountered by entertainment or a production, but yet the presence of God, the density of the glory of God is not in the room. So therefore, they're able to walk out with that same addiction. What God is looking for, again, he says, my eyes are open and my ears are attentive to the prayers made in this place. What the pastors have to do, see, the lead pastor has to be the lead intercessor. He cannot just dedicate, delegate it again to a few uh, group people. As your congregation sees you, that's what they're going to do. Our church prays seven times a week. We have seven different prayer meetings. Our children pray, our young people pray, and throughout the week we have five corporate prayer meetings that we have. And we'll have 100, 150, sometimes 200 people coming together to pray. Wow. And that is why uh, my, that we're seeing the sustained presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. And we're seeing miracles, deaf ears open, blind eyes open. Not because someone walks in with a gift, 
And I thank God for the gifts. But literally, we are praying and making a deposit in the spirit realm so when the needs walk in, we can withdraw from the spirit. What you sow to the spirit, you reap by the spirit. Right. You, you sow bountifully, you right. reap bountifully. You sow sparingly, what? You reap sparingly. So yeah. that's that's the key. I don't care what size church you have. You can have 20, you can have 2,000, you can have 20,000. If a man and woman of God will pray and get their church to pray, God will come and he will do what Absolutely. is found in the New Testament. That's his promise. Before we take a break here, give us, Jorge, if you will, give us the address one more time. Church of the Soar. 6901 TPC Drive, Orlando, Florida, 32822. And again, 407-851-1733 or info at com. All right. Very clear. And that meeting is tonight at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. All right. I'll be back in a moment with my guests, Todd Smith and Jorge Figueroa just coming up. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. What a wonderful time I'm having today talking to my guest, Todd Smith, a pastor from the, uh, I think you said Dawson, is that right? Yeah, in Dawsonville, Georgia. Dawsonville, Georgia. Christ Fellowship Church. All right, and he's down here, a part of the Church of the Sowers meeting that's going to be held actually tonight. Is tonight the only night of the this particular crusade pretty much uh okay. yeah we're gonna have it on friday uh at 7 p.m and we're expecting god to just move in the waters all right and uh that is jorge figueroa he is with us and uh todd and figure uh, jorge have been talking about this this whole thing about how god began moving five years ago and i i tell you i've heard of a lot of moves of god a lot of revivals Five years is kind of uh, a long time for a sustained move of God like that, yet it is continuing. And would you say that it is um, as strong as it was in the beginning, would you say? It's stronger now than it was in the beginning. Wow. And, 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 and Mike, here's the reason why, because I, our church understands by the grace of God that our responsibility is to pray and to continue to seek his face and to cry out for his glory. You know, I talk to pastors all the time, and I kind of uh, get them to thinking because I tell them that your number one responsibility of a pastor is not to just preach the gospel or just to make disciples. Your number one responsibility is to host the presence of God, to create such a culture and such an environment that God is attracted to that he never, ever wants to leave. Well, People say, well, I, I didn't know that Jesus would leave a church. Well, read Revelation chapter 3. He, it wasn't his goal to leave, but he kind of got booted out. Mm. And the sad thing is he's outside knocking on the door, and they're continuing to have church on the inside. Right. So I, I instruct pastors on how to host the presence of God, to creating a culture in my own heart, in my own walk with him that he he's attracted to, and then moving that into your church. And one of the ways that that happens is by reintroducing 
the corporate prayer meeting. The corporate prayer meeting is mentioned in the book of Acts over 25 times. There are 25 corporate prayer meetings that you can find. Mm-hmm. Acts chapter 1 has 10 of them. It says before the day of Pentecost, they prayed for 10 days. And then the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. Peter gets up and preaches after the Holy Spirit comes, and 3,000 people are converted. Right. Can you imagine yeah. if churches reverse the order? Because we love to preach 10 days and pray one. Wow. Can you, can <laughs> you well said. Yeah, can you imagine yeah, a church praying 10 days? for one presentation of the gospel and how all of heaven and the angels will be dispatched. And I'm telling you, the power of God will fall. We want Acts 2 power, but we don't want to do what brought Acts 2 power, and that was 10 days of praying and seeking the face of God. That's well said. Now, I know you wrote a book on prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Unless We Pray. It just came out uh, a few months ago, and... It's literally sweeping the country right now, Mike, and pastors are gobbling these these things up and distributing them to their key people. And we've watched pastors who struggle to get people to pray. I'm talking about struggle. Three or four people, they make an announcement from the pulpit. Three or four people will show up. But yet they distribute these books to their congregation, say, you got two weeks to read this, then we're going to come back together and talk about it. And then those prayer meetings go from 3 to 30 to 30 to 80 people. Then all of a sudden, I get a call from the pastor. You won't believe what God's doing in our church. We've never seen God move quite like this. The preaching's the same, but what's the change? How many people you now have making the deposit in the Spirit in prayer? Right. There's Listen, faith moves God, but nothing moves Him like prayer. Prayer is has to become the number one priority of the church. And from that, everything else will flow. Now, you mentioned that uh, the enemy's number one target is to stop people from praying. And do you think that the the kind of uh, the state of unbelief that's in our culture today, uh, is that a role as well? Do you believe that, uh, you know, I know that it's everyone's interest to try to find like the formula, to try to find the secret sauce and get these moves of God back in our churches. But it, could it be as simple as we need to pray more? That's it, period. Or let me put it, that's it, exclamation point. It's not a new version of Christianity. It's not a hipper style of, of mm-hmm. Christianity. It's not, okay, let me wear skinny jeans or let me have the haze machine. Let me have some new lights. Let me have some new technology. A new. It's not about image. It's not about branding. Uh, that may attract a, a crowd, but it doesn't attract the cloud. Okay. Mm, nice. We're, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out ways on how to uh, attract people. What about someone saying, what does God want me to do to attract his presence in such a way when people walk in, they begin to weep because of the holiness of God, because of, of the purity of the Lord is in the room and they just fall or they just bow their knees or they just bow their head and say, there's something different in this room today that wasn't here last week. God is waiting on the invitation. God is waiting on to take back his church. We've made it about the experience. We've made it about the expression of how well we do, quote, church, unquote. We do it better than the church down the road. We're more hip. We're more relevant. God says, if my people will pray, if, if, if my people would put their nose on the floor and cry out to me, mm-hmm. 
As Psalm 119, verse 25, as the psalmist said, Lord, my face is in the dust. And then it says, and it is there that I will revive you. That's what America needs. We don't need a new version. We need a broken church that is humble before God and saying, Lord, I know that I'm undone. I'm unclean. I have lustful thoughts. Lord, my motives are impure, and I need you, and I want this out of my life, and I repent of it. God will come. He will come when this happens. Were you surprised five years ago? Were you surprised at what happened, or were you expecting it? I was surprised. Uh, I was very discouraged as a pastor. I was um, in a plateaued place. A church was good, but my church was plateaued, and we just cried out to God. And when He came, we didn't know what to do with that. We didn't. We didn't know how to how to uh, host it. We didn't know how to manage what God was doing. So we just we did we did everything that we knew. We just stayed in His presence. Right. We said, God, this is beyond us. It's bigger than us. And we just don't want to touch it. We don't want to mess it up. And I remember my asking God, I said, God, how do I handle this? What do I do? These people are coming and we're seeing miracles that I've never seen before. And I heard the Lord say to me these words. He said to me, Todd, he says, I need you to hold it loosely, but guard it ferociously. Wow. Hold it loosely. Don't put your fingerprints on it. Don't make it yours. If you'll host me and you'll pray to me with a humble heart, if you'll cry before me, if you'll weep over your condition, if you'll weep over the condition of your people, he says, I'll come. This is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I want my kingdom to come, but I need you to stay out of the way. Mm. And so even to this day, five years later, we pray five times a week, Mike, and, and we just get before him and we cry and we say, God, please don't leave. Please continue to do this. And if we make a mistake, Lord, if we're touching it inappropriately, would you reveal it to us and show us graciously how we can repent and get things back where it needs to be? You know, I'm so glad you answered the way you did, because I think a lot of people's expectation would be, even though we we tell them don't do that, even though we say there's no face, there's no like a famous face or a celebrity cause that's causing all of this. Uh, they still would kind of expect that behind the scenes somewhere, there is a reason why your power is so great that, that that this is happening. And I think people clamor to that. But you're saying at the point that he came, at the point that the spirit fell, you were discouraged. It wasn't like, man, I'm a man of power and faith here. It wasn't that at all. It was like, God, I'm broken. I need you. And I don't know what's going to happen. And boom. The Lord comes in in that. I, I think that is so encouraging. Well, yeah, I tell I tell pastors, I'm your best friend if you pastor a church under a thousand people. <laughs> and, and here's the reason why. I, I wasn't anywhere near a thousand people. I was a small church in a small town. And I know what it's like to have nobody want to come to your church. You're not in a stream of influence. You're just out there trying to do the best that you can. And I tell pastors, if God can move in Dawsonville, Georgia, in this small town of 3,000, 3,500 people, 50 miles northeast from Atlanta, if God can move here, and if we can get God's attention in Dawsonville, God can go anywhere, and he can move anywhere. Right. Now, Jorge said that you have a, a venue that holds a lot of people there, 3,000 people in the 
the city, mm-hmm. but how many are are gathering together you know, with you? Our church will hold 1,200 people with overflow up to 2,000. But you have to understand, five years ago, I had 140 to 160 people in yeah, a sanctuary right. seat. But was, I mean, that's a third, uh-huh. more than a third, mm-hmm. pushing a half yeah. of the of the people. Yeah, the church, the, the pastor that was there before me was a, a great guy and had a lot of um, uh, giftings and, and a lot of people got born again and so forth. So they built the church for that. But then over time, it just dwindled right. and we came in and... And so out of desperation and out of a hunger and say, God, I don't care if you grow my church by one person, but I I do not want to die not experiencing you in the fullness of what I read about in the scriptures. I refuse from this point on to settle for anything less. I'm not going to make excuses for it. So God, I'm going to die on this altar. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what the price I have to pay, but I'm going to stay here until you come, until you show up. And Uh that's where our 85% of our church had that mindset. That's why we went into prayer, and we've been in prayer literally ever since that time, seeking the face of God, saying, Lord, we want to behold your glory. And why wouldn't I tell you what? It's so true. I've Again, I've been a part of a movement before, and you want it to continue as long as, as possible. I, I know that, that the only thing we can do to make that happen is pray. That's mm-hmm. it. Because we didn't begin it, and we can't sustain it. But it's the power of God. And I know one thing, people are needing a touch from God in this culture. Yes, they are. And they must find it in the house of God. Amen. They have to come to the place of the bread, the house of bread. Right. And that's why pastors and leaders must make the number one priority, host God and pray. Tell us about your book real quick, how people can get it. Yeah, it's called Unless We Pray, and you can get it at kingdomready.tv, kingdomready.tv, or you can go to amazon.com and pick it up. It's called Unless We Pray. My name's Todd Smith, and while you're there, get the other book, Creating a Habitation for His Glory, because it explains on how to host the presence of the Lord in a long-term fashion. All right, so Jorge, you've been up there before in, in Dawsonville, right? Yes, I sure have. And what are you praying for? For tonight, what what uh, do you expect will happen? That is a great question. We of course want God to do what He does best, which is bring glory to His name. That's number one. But number two is we want to see people healed in the water, also. And what we want to see is the lame walk, the blind speak, you know, the blind see. We want to see all the miracles that we hear of in the Bible. And there are people out there that are suffering from addictions that need a breakthrough. There are mm-hmm. marriages that are crumbling need a breakthrough. There are children that have distanced themselves from their parents. There's wounds, there's hurts. We want God to heal all of it. And God will, if people will come ready for God to move in their lives. Wow. So that's what we're doing. We're just literally hosting his presence in the building. And it's up to God, right? To do what he does best, I agree. which is bring glory to his name. So we become the facilitators. We become the, the, the attendants, as I um, have learned from uh, uh, CFC from Christ Fellowship Church. We just attend to the needs of the people. We serve and we let God do. Church of the Sower and that address one more time for tonight. 6901 TPC Drive, Orlando, Florida, uh, 32822. And once again, the phone number is 407-851-1733. Service time tonight, 7 p.m. Todd Smith will be there. Todd, thank you for coming in and when you get back down to Orlando, give me a call. Come back over. I want to hear what's going on. Thank you, Mike. And may God move in all of our churches. Amen. 
May there be revival. Amen. Friends, can't think of a better way to end our week of programming this week. So thank you for being with us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.